Hello, hello, it's T, this is Burning Tarot, and we're going to take a look at the upcoming eclipse and pull a card for this eclipse moment. I'm out here in the forest, but not deep in the forest today. I'm just near my own house. You may hear assorted household outdoor noises going on. I hope you can hear the wind in the pines. And if you can't hear it, I encourage you to imagine it swooshing and shushing around. We have a fine assortment of birds who are hanging out because it really is springtime, complete with springtime weather. Now, you might be feeling some emotional springtime weather, wherever it is that you are. And what do I mean by that? Well, you know, in spring we get some hail, and then the sun comes out, and then there's a rain shower, and then the sun comes out again. Okay, maybe you're in Portland and you're not seeing the sun at all. But you get the idea. It's variable. And the emotional weather of this time uh, is also going to be quite variable. So if you're already feeling it, I'd like to assure you that you are not alone. Um, for me, it's taking the form of kind of high sentimentality. So I'm weepy, but not in an I am in absolute despair and or want to destroy the universe kind of way. <clears throat> that would be a bit much, wouldn't it? But I can get that way. This is more of a, oh, my little baby's growing up. And oh, I can't stand this change and that change. And maybe even loving the fact of things changing while crying, while holding on to the the little stabs of grief and regret that often accompany the recognition that something is changing, that we have to let go of something. So that very fine sentimentality. Yours might be taking a different feel or a different tone. In general, what we have going on is we're about to have a um, full total lunar eclipse in Sagittarius. And it's happening uh, while a square is being formed between the sun and the moon. They're both, so they're opposite each other. That's what happens um, in a full moon. The sun's hanging out in Gemini and all the way across the zodiac, opposite, 180 degrees away from that, is where the moon's hanging out. Oh, hey, the sun just came out. Speaking of s springtime weather, we have to get up and move, you guys. We have to, oh, let me feel it on my face. Hello, sunshine. What's I talking about? Oh, yeah. Sun in Gemini is opposing the moon, which will be um, in Sagittarius and that's where the eclipse happens. That's how you get a full moon and that's how you get an eclipse in this case, full lunar eclipse. And so that brings, that eclipsiness brings a lot of impact. Any lunation like a full moon has some impact on us. If we're going to believe in astrology and for the sake of this podcast, why not? Let's believe in it. Um, 
So any kind of lunation has an effect on us, especially our emotions. The moon corresponds directly to our feminine and emotional lives. That's its, its realm, the unconscious, that which is hidden, the secret emotional strange, you know, the, the stuff that's not easy to, um, you can't pin this stuff down. That's your moon realm. And the moon is going to be eclipsed. Or the way that it looks is going to be eclipsed. Uh, and the light that shines off of our moon, of course, comes from the sun. And the sun represents things that are not hidden. Things that are conscious and everyday. It corresponds to masculinity. And we live in a pretty solar-oriented culture. Masculine uh, rational, uh, conscious, these are things that are valued by our culture. So the moon's trickier, right? The moon's more like dark, mysterious, feminine things that we don't really understand. And this doesn't, by the way, um, your particular gender or, you know, biosex at birth or any of that doesn't have to correspond to these these are really fundamental energies um, that uh, you can't really play with Western, the Western mysteries, including our astrological traditions, without acknowledging these forces. Uh, so they're very powerful forces, but they're not to be confused with some kind of like entrapping gender um, role or identity. So if you're if you identify as masculine, but you sense this big, deep <clears throat> lunar feminine in you right now, like yeah, that's totally normal and fine and makes perfect sense. Um, so this moon reflects the light from the sun, reflects the light of consciousness, and during an eclipse, it's that shadow. There's a shadow cast on the moon. Makes it look like, like it's covered with blood. If you're fond of the Bible, you find some great stuff in there where, where the prophecies happen in the book of Joel or in the book of Revelations where the moon shall be as blood and the sun shall be as sackcloth. You know, so, so it's very portentous whether you ascribe to it astrological or scientific significance. These events, you know, they, they thrum and strum throughout us. So the light of consciousness that our moons cast is going to be snuffed out for a while. This will reverberate through our emotional beings. Probably some of us are definitely already feeling it, and probably everyone else will feel it for a while, especially until the next eclipse uh, which happens in June, because these eclipses come in pairs. So this first one will be sort of setting us up for a second one. What happens when the moon becomes as blood? When the light of consciousness, of sunshine, of the rational, stops shining onto our moon for a little while? Well, hey, who knows? That's the mystery, right? But the feeling is mysterious and it might be frightening. It might be an overwhelming feeling of mystery, of hiddenness, 
of being shown something that maybe we don't want to see. Uh, if you are a patron on patreon.com of the astrologer April Shaley, whom I highly recommend, she has a um, good riff on that hidden aspect. I, I recommend checking that out if you're if you're a patron of hers. Um, so basically it can mean that we're kind of stuck with our hidden self. We're stuck with our dark, unconscious, mysterious self. We're stuck with feeling our way through a dark room with the lights cut out. And even if we know that room really well, it's strange how a dark room can suddenly seem quite unfamiliar and be full of what seem like little pitfalls, things to bump into if we turn out the lights. So your own consciousness may feel like that during and around this time of eclipse. It might feel familiar, yet magnified. It's double scary because you can't really see your way around. It's okay to have that experience. It is okay for me to feel sad about things that are passing, as I described earlier. And sometimes, I i mean, I have to go very far out of my way to remind myself that that's okay. My culture does not tell me that's okay. My culture makes fun of um, sentimentality and women, <laughs> you know. Um, my culture is made very uncomfortable by someone crying. So my job is to say, well, here comes the emotion. Do I have the courage to go ahead and feel that emotion. Thanks to the magic of astrology, I know that emotions are getting very big and they might seem overwhelming or mysterious to me. They might even seem frightening. So what can I do with that knowledge? Can I kind of set up my dark room so that I can feel comfortable in my dark room knowing it's going to get dark? That's one way to consider it. You could um, clear your schedule so you have time to sit and cry in a dark room if that's what needs to happen. Um, One of my favorite ways to weather through uh, an eclipse or any kind of uh, massive astrological phenomenon that involves emotion or the moon is to take a bath. Call Call it a bath ritual if you want to, but that's a good, safe space to sit in warm water. You can meditate if you want, or you can watch some trashy Netflix if you want. And, um, and just feel the feelings as they, as they come. So those are some suggestions of ways that you can kind of make your way through an emotional time without, um, without feeling like you have to reject the emotionality. Rejecting it is probably going to lead to more problems. Trying to stifle the emotion that wants to come with this eclipse, eh, I don't think that's going to work so great. So if you can kind of clear out a little space over the next few days, um, that might just be a, a, a way of setting time aside for yourself and and treating yourself well during that. Um, just be, be kind to yourself. The same way 
if, um, if you had a friend who had just lost a pet or something of that nature and you knew they were experiencing grief, how would you treat that person? Would you, you know, encourage them to go to an extra meeting that day? Or would you encourage them to um, sit quietly, have a good cry, have a cup of tea, you know, see if you can help them in some way, give them some flowers. So try to treat yourself in that way, giving yourself some space and some kindness. Um, I guess I don't need to go into the specifics of the astrology, but I will say that um, Mercury and Venus have both been active in kind of setting up, setting the stage for this eclipse. And the whole thing, as I mentioned before, is squaring Jupiter. So the sun and moon are opposite to each other. And then at a 90 degree angle to either of them is Jupiter in the very first degree of Pisces. So Jupiter making an ingress into Pisces is a big deal, worthy of many podcasts and things like that. And making such a big prominent square to such a big prominent eclipse kind of doubles down on everything I've been saying about mystery, watery, feminine, dark mysteries, etc. That kind of lunar energy in a way is echoed by Pisces and um, and Jupiter being in Pisces means a, a big exclamation point on anything mysterious, watery, musical, poetic, artistic, and again, mysterious, out there. So the mysteries of death and poetry can all be kind of similar, and, and that's really strong Pisces territory. And um, so I won't blather about that too much, but let's just say Jupiter and Pisces are really important to why this particular eclipse might feel a heck of a lot stronger than some other eclipse pair, you know, in January or whatever. You might be like, why am I feeling this so much? I feel like I'm losing my mind. Um, and you might be losing your mind. There, uh, one astrologer, Anne Orderly, who, um, she's a New York astrologer who I like, and she does some podcasty kinds of things. Um, she's pretty down to earth. And she called this lunation in this period of time, this week, she said it was cray-cray, as in crazy. So that's what she's noticing in the alignment of planets. And we, we do also have um, Neptune um, lining up there in Pisces as well. So that's, that's probably a factor, too. So you might experience this as cray-cray, or you might experience this simply as very emotional or confusing. Now we're going to ask the cards... And we are using the Centennial Edition today of the Smith Rider. We're going to say, okay, dear tarot cards, what can the Burning Tarot listeners, who include myself, <laughs> I need some help here too, what can, what can guide us as we go through this lunation, this intense period? <sighs> All right. We pulled the Nine of Wands. Nine of Wands is standing, bloodied but unbowed, 
hanging onto a staff, surrounded by other staffs. He's got a bandage around his head, and he's, he's basically keeping watch. He's looking out. He is tired. He is wounded, you guys. Um, but he's vigilant, and we don't have the sense that this is a fatal wound or anything of that nature. He's keeping an eye out. So what does this mean for us as we approach this lunation? I would say that the Nine of Wands is telling us that we've been through a lot. We are not quite ready to culminate a a big cycle in our emotional life, but we're getting close. And this lunation will be part of that that accumulation. I don't think that's the word I want. You know what I mean. This build up. And we may not need to be quite as vigilant as the guy in this card. We are plenty loaded up with abilities. We have developed new techniques of handling ourselves and our emotions in difficult times. We might be a little wound up on stress. And we might be so accustomed to being vigilant about ourselves and others that we have lost the ability to relax, particularly during times of stress. The good news is, whatever we've been wounded by, it is not fatal, other than the fact that life itself is fatal. We know that, right? No one gets out of here alive. Um, I was smiling while I said that. Maybe you could hear it in my voice. So nine of wands is pretty tuckered out, but can keep going and um, is looking suspiciously round and round. Uh, I think it's important for us to thank the nine of wands within us, that part of us that is vigilant, that has seen us through hell and high water. And we need to really acknowledge the service of that part of ourselves, our vigilant, ever coping, somehow getting the hell along to the next step, kind of inner self. Let's use this intense time of eclipse to thank our inner vigilant, you know, and to say thank you for all you've done. And, and to go ahead and accept its help in getting through an emotional few days but let's not um, let's not assume that the emotion is bad. Let's not be so vigilant that we that we avoid the beauty and depth that can come to us if we accept this emotion, if we clear enough space that we actually get to feel it without running away. And we'll give that nine of wands part of ourselves a handshake and a thank you. And it might be that that Nine of Swords self doesn't want to stay vigilant, doesn't want to stay on watch at the never-ending war. It might turn out that if, if we kind of extend a hand and some gratitude, this guy might be ready to go inside the castle now and, like, have a dish of stew and a flagon of beer before he gets a nap. So use this opportunity to reach out to that part of yourself, the wounded warrior 
who's just standing out there trying to keep guard all the time. And that's what I've got for you. I am T. This is Burning Tarot, and I have much love for each and every one of you, the small and charming handful of people who listen to this. Enjoy your eclipse.